electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Tyler Matheson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. On this episode, you'll hear from Acting U.S. Secretary of Labor Julie Su. She talks about President Biden's recent executive order on safe, secure, and trustworthy artificial intelligence and how AI will affect U.S. workers. She spoke with my colleague Steve Leisman at CNBC's Work Summit on December 6, 2023. Here's their conversation. I want to start right off with the uh, new executive order from President Biden regarding artificial intelligence. Can you tell us specifically what this executive order means for workers and the workplace? Yes. So this is really the most sweeping uh, statement by an administration on the impacts of artificial intelligence and also on the role that government and the private sector working together uh, can have on the development, the deployment, and the use of AI in ways that are beneficial. You know, the president has been very clear that we both want to embrace the potential for AI to improve lives, to allow us to do things that we haven't been able to do before and also to make sure that there are guardrails to prevent against uh, uh, some of the harms of AI. Uh, the EO is very strong on, on data security and privacy, on national security. And you know he believes, as I do, that we don't have to choose between innovation and workers' rights. We can find a path uh, in which we promote and embrace the advantages uh, of both of those things. And as a president who's been very clear that we cannot build an economy or a nation that we want without centering the well-being of working people, this executive order uh, really leans heavily into that. So let's cut right to the chase. The big concern, and I'm not sure if it's a concern that's just in the public mind or if it's a real concern, um, is that AI is going to come along and replace a whole lot of jobs. What does this executive order, what can you as a acting labor secretary do to protect workers, and should you be acting to protect workers from losing their job from artificial intelligence? So a couple things on that. One is that this executive order recognizes that there is going to be an impact in the workforce of AI, and we want to we want to be thinking proactively about what that looks like. So the executive order talks about you know to the extent there is some displacement, what does that look like and what are we gonna do to help workers with the transition? But also acknowledging that AI is just not about replacing workers, it's about enhancing the ability of workers to do their jobs. It's about supporting and complementing workers. It's about asking the question, how can AI actually improve the lives of workers? How can AI help to support workers in, in, uh, you know, in, in doing parts of their jobs that are currently difficult and backbreaking and grueling? Uh, and and it, the executive order is very clear that none of these things are inevitable, right? It's not like robots are coming and we just have to 
hunker down and prepare for it. It's that the choices we make along the way will determine the impacts of AI when it comes to workers. And we want to make those choices in a way that benefits workers, that improves job quality, that brings more people into the workforce, that you know maybe eliminates some of the discriminatory aspects of hiring and retention. Uh, and, and how do we look at AI? How do we ask the question the right way so that AI can be used to benefit um, to benefit working people. So we have to think about how job creation um, can, uh, can, you know, can, can allow um, us to train workers for those jobs, including workers who've been left out in the past. So there's a lot of aspects to it. Um, the most important point is that none of it is, in, is, is inevitable. We have choices to make and we're going to make them uh, in a way that benefits working people. AI was recently a big issue in several strikes uh, that were recently resolved. What did the resolution of the AI issues tell us about potential ways to solve some of these future problems? So that's such an important question, Steve. Thank you for that. I mean, one of the things that we have already seen with the deployment of technology and AI in the workplace are some of the negative impacts, right? There, you know, th there's the negative impacts in terms of worker health and safety, you know, surveillance, uh, you know, technology used to surveil workers, technology used to speed up work in ways that make it harder for workers to protect themselves. Um, surveillance used uh, and AI used to deter workers from organizing. There's also so, you know, AI that we've seen that can reinforce discriminatory habits or patterns or practices. And so what we've seen, though, again, in the theme of none of this is inevitable, is that when workers have a seat at the table, when workers are able to make um, choices and make demands, frankly, and help to shape how AI is going to be utilized, it can not only be good for workers, it can actually also be good for employers and help pave a path in the industry in a way that is going to be be, be human enhancing. And so in um, in, in, in various uh, um, negotiating tables that I've been a part of and those that I've, I, I've, I've watched uh, from healthcare workers to Hollywood to hospitality, workers are saying, we want a voice in how AI is going to be utilized. So, and, you know, in, in Hollywood, it's mm -hmm. about transparency. You know, when AI is utilized, people should know, workers should get to know if they're digital likeness is going to be used again and get to approve it or not. Um, consumers should know when AI has been used to generate something. Um, you know, we we see uh, that there's, when you negotiate, you can also talk about how you could deploy AI in ways and take the best of what human beings are needed to do and make sure um, that, right. that, you, that you preserve those good jobs and have workers um, continue to benefit from the good jobs uh, in industries, you know, across the spectrum. And having workers get to get a say in that makes a really big difference. One of the interesting areas that I've looked into is this issue of AI and discrimination. And it reminds me of the old saw about computers, which is garbage in, garbage out. Um, and, and so you could therefore say discrimination in, discrimination out, that some of these programs, for example, in looking over, or let's say you used AI to review resumes, that there could be a discriminatory element, even if the programmer doesn't know it, that could be part of the screening process of AI. Is there a way to combat that? That's 100% correct. And so um, that there, there, there's two ways that that operates too, right? One is that, you know, if there is discrimination 
baked into technology, then it is going to be you're going to you're going to reinforce those practices, which you know we've spent um, decades combating. And there are laws that also protect workers from that. And we don't want AI to be a way to skirt those uh, those existing protections. But the other part of the danger, Steve, just to be you know clear about why we are so um, invested in making sure that we do this right and that we work in partnership with those who develop and who use AI to do it is that there can be inadvertent ways that discrimination gets built in too, right? You could imagine a situation in which AI in gathering a whole bunch of information about who has certain jobs might um, believe that that's the only way for things to be. So if you, you know, we, we've heard of this before, where sometimes if you're using AI to suggest jobs to certain uh, job seekers, and um, you right. see that women, for example, get jobs suggested to them that they've been long cut out from because the AI assumes that the fact that women aren't doing them means that women don't want to do them. We cannot allow that to be the future either, especially when President Biden has been so clear that we, we're going to build an economy that leaves no one behind. We have to make sure that is true also in the way that we look at AI. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. How do you be careful that you don't stifle innovation with regulation? Right. So this is one of the most, I think, um, deep misunderstandings about uh, you know, it, it's the idea that it's either innovation or workers' rights. And what the president knows and what we have seen and what we are intent on making sure we amplify in this process is that innovation and workers' rights can and should go hand in hand. That's, again, in the sense of when workers have a seat at the table, they can help to make the development of AI better. Uh, you know, they, they can... If we ask the question, how do we make sure that innovation is good for working people? You encourage a you know a, a, a different framework for how you think about um, how you think about development of technology. So you know we have a lot of serious problems to solve in this country. Uh, we we want to look at how to connect people to good jobs. So how do we how do we use AI in a way that does that? We want to make sure that workers have the supports to succeed in their jobs, whether that's training, whether that's transportation, whether that's affordable housing. How do we think about AI as a way to um, help enhance the ability of working people to find those supports? Um, to 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 get the things that they need in order to get a right. good job and get some of what the president calls breathing room. And so I think that we mm -hmm. can and must, and the executive order is very clear about this, not 
adopt the framework that it's either innovation or it's worker well-being. Both of those things can and should happen together. And again, that's not an inevitability either. That's something that we have to choose every single day in the ways that we do this work. And that's something that we're very committed to doing along with partners in the technology world. So let me just give one example of that. You know, here at the Department of Labor, yeah. we've also seen that sometimes using AI to do things like when somebody's uh, um, is applying for black lung benefits, right? These are working people who spent their entire lives doing a hard job. And now they're entitled to benefits because they have developed black lung. Now what we do at the Department of Labor is when somebody's applying for that benefit, we use technology to make sure that the information that we've gathered is consistent with other information that we have. That has replaced now the manual need to look at that information. What it allows then is human beings to make phone calls to applicants to touch base and say, what do you need? Is the process working for you? Is there any information you haven't been able to find? And to get a human touch uh, to what they do. And all everybody knows what it's like to be on the phone, just wishing that you could talk to a human being to explain your problem and help it get solved. There's an ex There are examples in which we can use AI for the things that technology is best utilized for and use human beings for the things that only sure. a human touch can be used for. Secretary, I have so many more questions about AI, but I do want to shift gears to one other aspect, which is as a person that covers the data every day, a lot of it from your department, of course, um, uh, it's an interesting uh, dichotomy out there, which is that the data looks, you know, pretty good. The, the uh, unemployment rate is down. Job growth has been good. The GDP numbers are very, uh, are very robust, especially in the third quarter. And yet all of the surveys we see, including ones done by CNBC, show that people are unhappy, both unhappy with the economy, unhappy with President Biden's leadership. How do you, as a member of this administration, as the head of the Labor Department, how do you square that, those differences between the economic data and the economic survey showing the sort of general uh, unhappiness out there? I think there's a few things there, right? One is that I think it's important to remember where we were just three years ago, right? Coming out of a global pandemic that was deeply disruptive to people. And so that sense of security is something that I think we're still working to gain back overall. Um, but you're right about the the economic policies that President Biden has um, ha has has his leadership has brought about include 14 million jobs created since he came into office, record low levels of unemployment. We got to a four percent under four percent unemployment rate faster than anybody else predicted, and now that's been true for 20 some months running. People back in the labor force, which I think reflects a confidence, right? People are coming into the labor force looking for jobs, and they are finding them. And so these markers are really, really important. We have more work to do to make sure that everybody feels those benefits. But when you ask people, and when I travel the country and talk to people, there is a sense of, um, you know, there's, there's a sense of optimism about there's good jobs coming to every single community, right? The record investments that we're putting into building infrastructure to our clean energy future, to making things here at home, right? Bringing manufacturing jobs here is resulting in a boom in communities all across America of people 
entering training programs, of getting into jobs that pay a decent wage, that provide them with retirement security and with benefits. And when you ask people if those things are happening, how they feel about that, they do feel good about it. So some of it is about making sure that we're asking the right questions. And some of it is about recognizing that we're coming out of a really hard period and we do have more work to do to make sure that every American not only feels like, you know, there's safe roads and bridges that they can drive on and clean drinking water that comes out of their faucet and reliable, affordable internet in their homes, but also that good jobs are available to them. And it, and, and, and it makes a difference in their lives. Some of this is also about making sure that people you, have enough to afford the basics of life and, uh, and having a good job is really fundamental to that. Are you surprised, Secretary Yu, how much the uh, issue of inflation is so transcendent in people's minds that um, despite low unemployment, despite uh, decent uh, uh, GDP growth, that it's really the issue of inflation that matters most to average Americans? I mean, that's not surprising, right? Because that is where people feel, uh, you know, feel things the most, right? They feel it every time they go to the grocery store. They feel it every time they sit down at their kitchen table to do their budgeting. Um, and so that is why it's been a laser focus of this administration to make sure that we are, uh, you know, um, bringing down costs and controlling inflation, but also doing it in a way that does not require us to make a choice between that and 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 economic security um, and wages. You know, we've seen real wages rise uh, in in uh, under President Biden's leadership. We've also created you know space for as you mentioned this earlier, but like the record breaking contracts that workers are winning at the bargaining table that's resulted in wage increases like we haven't seen, again, across multiple industries that have resulted in workers being able to negotiate for higher retirement security, for better safety on the job. And I think, again, when I talk to workers about that, that there's not only a sense of economic security that comes from that, there's a sense of feeling seen, of feeling heard, of mm -hmm. feeling like they can be part of the solution. And to me, that's really critical to building you know, people's faith in our democracy, that their voice matters, right? That That's really fundamental to our democratic process. And so we have more work to do to make sure that every family feels these benefits. And we have more work to do to make sure that people can afford the things that they need to live a good life and get some breathing room. Uh, but we're very much committed to doing that. And that's both in the space of AI and the space of our economy more broadly. That was Acting Secretary of Labor Julie Sue. She joined us at CNBC's Work Summit on December 6, 2023. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please share with your friends. You can visit CNBCEvents.com to learn about upcoming events and how you can join us. We'd love to have you there. I'm Tyler Matheson. Thanks for listening. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.